0: Welcome back to the Cultivate NYC podcast. I'm with Robin Caravan. He's all mad at me about uh, the, the intense setup that it takes for the <laughs> podcast. So uh, this would be a really good example of the Lord's grace in our lives because he's extending that to me and hopefully I extend that to him. But this podcast exists to serve the church, grow the disciple, and help us engage our community and our culture for the gospel. And we hope to do just that today. Today, we're recapping our one series. We did a pre- one-series podcast. Now we're kind of doing a middle um, one-series podcast, and we hope to do one at the end of the one-series podcast, and the re- or, or um, series, not podcast. But the reason we want to do this is because we, we really believe these are staples in the church. These are staples in Cultiv- Cultivate NYC. If we don't know these things, then we really can't move forward as a church because we think they're so intrinsic to who we are. We think we're just the base, the value um, of what our church brings is really understanding one gospel one mission and so on and so forth so robin before we jump into anything else tell us about uh how we kind of landed we talked about this a little bit last episode but how do we land on this series and and what's your hope for the outcome of the one series
1: yeah we landed on it because we've actually talked about it before also on podcasts i think last summer it's jesus prayer it's the high priestly prayer in, in john 17 where he prays that they might be one and so there's the that they might be one and then us as a church we are in our first year turning one eventually and so we are just thought it would be a cool idea to tie these things together make it a a sermon series where we go through the core tenets of our church's beliefs and doctrines leading up to us celebrating our one our first year anniversary and so it's just fitting that we talk about our core tenants in our first year and then people know that we are coming up on one year as a church which is super exciting so that's kind of how this came to be
0: yeah before we jumped in uh before we jump into the recap of where we've been so far uh, we asked on Instagram if they would just give, you, give us any questions that you might have, whether it be a serious question or it be a funny question, and perfect, uh, perfectly enough, we got one funny question and one super, super serious question, so we're going to try to touch both of them within like a five-minute framework, so good luck because we like to talk, but let's ask the very first question. The first question is the serious question. The second one will we'll relieve the pressure and we'll head into the recap. Here's the first question. Uh, And Robin, I want you to tackle this one on your own. How do you know that you are where God has called you in a certain season? How do you know that God has called you into this time and place or wherever this individual that was asking the question is talking about? How do you know that you're called to be there in this certain season of your life?
1: Yeah. Um, How do you know that you're in the right spot in the right season of your life? (coughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. preferably where god wants you right that's kind of the outlook of the question um so i do believe little um precursor here that a lot of people make way too much of that question in a way where it's really pressuring and there is one thing and one thing only i should or could be doing and if by any chance i miss it i'm basically outside of the will of god and i don't think i don't see it biblically that we are outside of the will of god if we're not in the right space at the right time because we figured out what the will of god is i think god gives us many things as christians that are not tied to a place Mm -hmm. or specific time that we are supposed to pursue and do as christians in our lifetime to love our neighbors to love god to go make disciples um, to be on a sanctifi- sanctification journey, to become more like Christ. We can do that no matter how old we are and where we are. We don't need nothing for that. So that's that. Here's a tool that I've learned that helps helped me and helps people discern if they are pursuing something that is a calling. You can say that's something that the Lord would want them to do and that's I don't want to say that's like that one and only there's many things there's also tests and all of that stuff but it comes down to three things that you need at some point according to the thing I'm not going to tell you which makes a lot of sense but you need three things they might not all show up in the in the one two three order it could be the third one first and the first one and then the second one after but you would want to have all three present eventually. One of them is, the first one is desire. You should have a desire to do what you are called to do. If you don't have, if, if somebody says, Robin, you're going to be uh, called to be going on the worship team, I don't have a desire for that. So I, I, There's zero desire in me to do that. Second is ability. Do I have the ability to do what I feel like I'm called to do? So to the worship team example, I have zero ability to join a worship team. So I don't have the desire, I don't have the ability. And third point, I also don't have the opportunity because um, our worship team would not invite me to join. And so the three things are desire, ability, and opportunity. If you have a desire, if you have somewhat of an ability and an opportunity where you can Follow that calling, then you can be sure to some extent that you're in the place where you can really follow and use the gifts that the Lord has given you. Now, maybe you have, like, I studied mechanical engineering. I did not feel like I was called to do anything in that sense in in terms of ministry. I had the ability. Then I had the opportunity because people said, Hey, why don't you help us build ministry trucks? I had no desire, but then at some point, God put that desire in my heart where I was like, You know what? I want to use that to serve God. So then I had ability, opportunity, and desire. And so they don't come in in a one, two, three order, but at some point, you would want to have ability, opportunity, um, and desire. And if you don't, if you lack the ability, then maybe you have to study. If you don't have an opportunity, then maybe you need to wait until an opportunity presents itself, or or find one. If you don't have the desire, I don't know what to tell you there. If it's yeah. you know, now nah, that doesn't mean that we are not supposed. That that doesn't talk about. I don't have to desire to love my neighbors. That's not that we're called to do that anyways. But when we choose where we lend our gifts and what we pursue in life, then that would be three points that we can consider, where we can land in a place where, where it comes together and God can really use us. Yeah. In that setting.
0: No, that's a good word. And I think what you're speaking to and that tool of desire, ability, and um, opportunity, I think those three things help you with discernment. And I think oftentimes, and I think I would guess if I asked the person who asked this question, you're weighing some of these different things that you think you're called into and that you have strengths in, that you have ability in, that you kind of work towards, and maybe you're trying to, am I supposed to be doing this or this or that? Rather than it being, I don't think you're asking this question and like, I don't even know what these seasons are looking like. It's just randomness. I think you're probably drawn to things that you're good at. The Lord has been molding you in a way, certain ways. So I think the tools he's using help you discern if this is the next step for you. Rather than it being the first step, I, don't, I think the first step is, is probably like just the opportunity of what God has done in your life up until that point.
1: Yeah, you have to be at a point where you're even asking yourself, is this something I should be doing and I'm called to do? And when you're asking yourself that question, you kind of already need to be in a certain position where you ask yourself these questions. So assuming that you are in a place where you might not know if you should pursue something or not, and it does give you the discernment or just a marker of like okay yeah. this is something i'm pursuing and it's really not for me yeah
0: it's a great question uh we if you're listening to this please send more to us we'll try to do this more regularly before our, our episodes that was a great question uh submitted on instagram the second one is far less serious it is this if jesus had a custom shoe you know nba players do this nfl players do this um all all types of professional athletes have a custom shoe, you know. I think they were like the, you know, LBJ 200s, I don't know. Uh, But, you know, Michael Jordan has all the names for his, you know, the the different types of shoes. The pandas, you know, I mean, the cool shoes I have on. No, no. If Jesus had a custom shoe, what would it be called? And since you went first for the last one, I'll go first for this one. Go ahead. I was stuck between two names. I think one was the Yahweh 7,000s. <laughs> because Yahweh and then but it's specific to Jesus In the Old Testament Yahweh was used for all encompassings. So I don't know if it exactly fits the bill. You know where the 7000 comes from. Or I thought the funny one <laughs> this might be inappropriate. But I thought the I thought the um the funny one might be like the um crossover 7000s. Because he crossed over from death to life. He went on a cross. We cross over from death to life. I mean, theologically, just perfectly yeah. in line so yeah. the crossover, maybe the yahweh crossover seven thousands <laughs> well, what
1: about the walking on water 77s <laughs> walking
0: on the water <laughs> 77s that's good that's good the problem with that is i think the false advertising would people think that it would it would allow them to walk on water and then they would do it what, well, it? what
1: about we call it defeating the, the five thousand <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, hey, and you spell feeding
1: f-e-e-t-i-n-g
0: It's for your shoes. The feeding. The feeding. All right. And then there's
1: only (laughs) 5,000 custom
0: pairs. I'm going to have to compose myself after the feeding. (laughs) All right. Thank you for that question. All right. I'm going to let Charles introduce us into the next topic as I'm crying. Uh, This is a clip of uh, one of charles message of the one gospel and this will kind of head us into um, our next conversation who hears it
1: something that can change your life forever this gospel is the good news that jesus christ the son of god Die for our sins. When I say our sins, oh. I want you to hear in your, your head and say, he died for my sins. Touch your heart. And say, he died for my sins. Make this personal. He died for your sins. And he rose again, eternally triumphant do that. over his enemies. So that there is now. This, the, ooh, this is the exciting part That's right <laughs> There is no condemnation
0: for... Well, there's no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus, except for Robin walking in when I was recording, in the middle of recording that, and I forgot to re-record it. So that was the introduction to our one gospel message, uh, almost called him Jesus, uh, Charles was introducing uh, what, it, what the one gospel is, and if you haven't been tracking with us, the, the uh, topics we've covered so far are one gospel by Charles, one mission by Robin, one baptism, and one communion. Am I missing one? I don't think so. One gospel, one mission. One God. One God. I did that one, so that's hilarious. <laughs> it was one gospel, one mission, one God, one baptism, one communion, and we have one hope coming up on Sunday. And uh, why can we, we kind of hinted at before, uh, the reason we want to do this is because we want our church All right. Well, we got stuff falling all over the place then. <laughs> but uh, we want our church to be a church that's centered around these truths. Church, if you do not know the gospel, then we want you to succinctly and clearly be able to be able to articulate that. That Christ has come on your behalf. He's the propitiation of your sins, which means he took the payment that you deserved. And in fact, not it wasn't just a one-way transaction where he just took what you deserved. He actually gave you of himself. And you imputed his righteousness. Imputed just means he gave to you without you working for his righteousness onto you that we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. The uh, one mission, you can kind of give a little bit of a recap of what one mission was about. Yeah, we, went, we took the part in
1: John 17 where it says, uh, where Jesus prays and he says, you have sent me, so I sent them into the world and we transition into the great commission in matthew 28 where jesus calls the disciple to meet him to disciples to meet him on the mountain and then on the mountain they worship him they come to him they worship him and he tells them to go make disciples and teach them all the things that he has commanded them and to remember that he's always with them so what that means for us one mission we have one mission we are called obviously the picture there Jesus calling his disciples on the mountain it's on the mountain it's very significant because god always reveals or has throughout the history of the bible always revealed himself in really special ways on mountains so Jesus revealing giving them the great commission on a mountain is really special they he calls them to himself which is a gospel picture god Jesus calls us to Himself, we worship Him, and then where it's the one mission part is He calls us to go. What does He calls to go to all nations? Mm-hmm. Now we are in New York City, where we literally have all nations almost present in our backyard. He calls us to go to all people, all nations, not to just specific people. And he calls us to do, what does he call us to do? He calls us to go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them all things that he has commanded. So we're called to go and do, make disciples, baptize them. And then thirdly, he calls us to remember that he is always with us. And so he calls us to remember who he is, that he is always with us. That's like the incarnational part where he's, the spirit of Christ dwells on the inside of us. He's always with us. Um, the Helper is always with us, and we live incarnationally. So we go, do, and remember, and that's our one mission. Amen.
0: And we covered one God. where well, that I got the opportunity to preach about one God. Really, the beauty of uh, the Christian faith is that our God is three in one. We have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and they all three play specific and unique roles in the Godhead. Um, and I, li- I, like- I like to give the picture of uh, the recycling bin, you know, the the triangle on the recycling bin, it's got arrows to the next one. And in each corner would be father, one corner, son, one corner, spirit, one corner. And it would say, but it would have a circle in the middle, right? And I kind of gave this picture of like the God, the father is not the spirit or the son, but is God. God, the son is, is not God the spirit and is not the father, but is God. Same with the spirit. The spirit is not the father and the spirit is not the son, but the spirit is God. And, um, uh, no no imagery is going to succinctly give you a good picture of the Trinity. The Trinity is mysterious for a purpose that God is God and we are not. He is infinite and we are finite. So there's no real there's no one way to say, okay, I can bottle this up and really understand the Trinity. But the beauty of this tr- the Trinity is this that we, 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 we kind of gaze at the Father's majesty. We, 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 we put our hope and trust in the Son's sacrifice. And we rely on the Spirit's steps. So the Spirit kind of walks with us in this life. He reveals the beauty of the cross in Christ, and he, rebu- and he reveals the majesty of the Father. So their roles are all uniquely different. The Father sends the Son, the Son comes to save, and the Spirit steps and steps and steps with us, right? The kind of one way to look at it. And so understanding that the reason, and, and you can find all these messages on YouTube on our, on our channel, But the reason that God has to be three in one is because if you look at the other religions, they're gods created out of a necessity to be worshipped, right? So they created to be worshipped. Whereas our God already existed in eternal community and eternal love, God forever loving the Son in the Spirit, the Son forever loving the Father in the Spirit. No one God is uh, one member of the Godhead is better. No one member of the Godhead is worse. They just have unique roles, and it's beauty that though the the Godhead, the three in one, the triune nature of God created to impute that love that they had from within to its creation. So therefore now we were created out of the love the Father had for the Son. So now we can make sense of when we sinned in Genesis chapter 3 and sinned, the, the cause of sin was separation from God and man, well, the only true sacrifice that would have made the relationship between God and man right has to be Christ, now you can kind of make sense of it because if the father loved the son and created out of the love that he had for the son now you know that the son is the right is the right is the only right sacrifice to to make that relationship back whole now is that complex 100 super simple yeah 180 percent complex but it's also beautiful that it's complex, and I made that clear in the message. What I'm trying to tell you today is not that God is easy. He's not a cup of coffee. You know, you can take it in one setting. God is someone who we are deeply learning to love and loving to learn. And as our worship, or as our knowledge of who God is grows, our worship grows along with it, right? And so I got the opportunity to do one God. Uh, the next one was uh, one baptism, Charles did uh, the message on One Baptism explaining the understanding of, you know, why we do water baptism. Um, Robin reminded me heavily when I was preparing for my One Communion message was um, doesn't it, isn't it unique that God gives us ordinary means to do the things that he's called us into? And one is water and a, maybe a river and the other is communion. We have bread and wine or bread and juice or a cracker and juice or if you can't make it, you know, to the store, you got a, a bun and juice. I don't know. Something that the Lord gives us ordinary means to, of sacrament, which just means, it's a large word, which just means gives us rem- moments of remembrance and celebration. So why don't you talk about baptism a little bit as we transition to communion?
1: Yeah, baptism really simply put is us declaring our faith in Christ in front of witnesses, in front of people. It's a celebration and we join, what it symbolizes when we go down into the water and we come back up is that we join Christ in a death like his and then into a resurrection like his to to a new life in Christ. And, It's not that we, there's no salvation happening. We don't believe, there's Christians that do believe that. We don't believe that when you get baptized, you get saved. We also don't believe that when you get baptized, the Holy Spirit is going to do more things in your life after. We just believe that this is a step on the faithful journey of us becoming more like Christ, being apprentices to Christ that he commands us to, be baptized and follow him and we do that where we symbolically in front of people declare our um, trust and faith in him get baptized symbolically going down and joining him in his death coming back up being washed clean of our sins and resurrecting into a new life and we use water which is really ordinary which was ordinary back then when, it, uh, when when Jesus got baptized and so anybody and everybody could go and ba- be baptized. Yep. It, it wasn't like um, reserved yeah. just for the rich that could afford the golden bathtub. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was for yeah. everybody. You could go get baptized in a river or in a lake. I got baptized in a lake. It was freezing cold, but it was, yeah, other people get baptized in a heated pool well, it's right. simple, and it symbolizes the joining into a death and resurrection.
0: Yeah, yeah and I think, so like, there's a spiritual resurrection, uh, but there's also a physical resurrection. And I think, like, you know, I think that's the one thing that we, we probably don't think, amu- think about as much. What God has done through, this, through, through dying upon the cross is the Son of God has made a way for eternal life and the death and burial and resurrection, we go through that same process, death to self, burial to self, if you will, resurrection into new life in Christ. We do that on this side of heaven, but when, when our physical bodies die, uh, this, there's a passage in 1 Thessalonians that, that, you know, makes this very clear, that he will one- eventually the, the the second coming of Christ will actually resurrect these bodies from the graves and bring them back into the fold for eternal living with him. So, I... I, I and, you know, that it sounds like that might be like a... a very like I I don't know... Um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, uh, um, a... A phrase that someone could argue with a lot. I don't know. I'm losing <laughs> all my words today. But... the scripture just says it plainly so the resurrection made it possible that Christ would come back again and physically resurrect your bodies back into full beauty and new life a new new life, which is a new life of eternity. On this side of heaven, we experience new life spiritually, right? So I'm dead to self and I raise anew in Christ. And now until I take my last breath as a physical human being on this side of heaven, I will want to follow after Jesus in new life. And one day I will have full new life, eternal new life. My body will be made whole. I'll be be fully redeemed back into relationship with the Father as I'm literally physically in relationship with them in eternity. So I think... Think we, we kind of fail to think about like the impact of that resurrection was not just some metaphorical spiritual one, although both the spiritual one is very important. There will be a physical resurrection of our bodies. He will, the G- Jesus will come into the clouds, and first he will take all those who are asleep, and then after he takes those who are asleep, meaning they've been dead on this side of heaven, then he will take those who are alive who put their trust in him. Those who believe in him will physically be resurrected. And I think that's a beautiful picture that he doesn't mean just uh, halfway or three quarters. You'll be resurrected if you believe in Jesus but to
1: something way better than, like you're not just getting the body back that you had. Now that's right. He'll give you a new body, yep. and that will be far beyond, more beautiful and per- perfect. Yep. Actually, not yep. more beautiful, perfect yep. compared to this. That's right.
0: The last one was one communion. I'll just I'll quickly cover one communion. It's so beautiful that the Lord gives us the picture that Jesus presents uh, communion, which He takes the bread and, and He says that the bread represents my body, and take it in remembrance of me, and then take the juice or the, or the wine, and when you drink in remembrance of the blood that was shed uh, as the commitment to the covenant. Which what He's saying is, my blood is is um, um, my blood is not efficacious. My blood is um, uh, is uh, the perfect payment for your sins that will redeem you back to himself. And what he does is Jesus presents this to his disciples on the first day of Passover and Passover in the old Testament. We know that God was, uh, you, you know enacting judgment on egypt because they did not believe in him and they held his people the israelites into tyranny reign into slavery And he, god tells his people who are in captivity that if you Sacrifice a lamb and you paint its blood on your doorposts That they will pass over god will pass over judgment upon you and What he does in the passover is beautiful. What he does on the cross is way more beautiful Here's why what they did in the old testament symbolizes salvation because literal people were saved from death what christ what christ says on the cross is eternal salvation eternal sacrifice that the lamb of god who is christ died on your behalf shed his body and shed his blood so that you could be in right relationship with his father and so just our heart in one gospel one mission, one God, one baptism, one communion, and coming up, one hope, we'll, we'll recap on the next podcast, is our hope is that it just, this is what I want. I want, it to, I want you to wrap your life around Christ. Because what Christ says is He will clothe you in righteousness. Basically, what that means is He will wrap His. He's already wrapped His life around your life. Let us be a people who reorient ourselves, reorient the, our worldview, reorient our biblical worldview, reorient, reorient, reorient our relationships, reorient, reorient how we see mission, how we see gospel, how we see baptism, and let it be like. I know we talk about Christ likeness a lot. The way that we do that, the question I wrote here to end was. All right, I hear you preaching about that. I hear the truth about that, and I have head knowledge of it. How do I practically live it out? Well, I think you just really let those truths transform how you think about everything. It's 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 you go to the you go to the eye doctor and you sit there and you got a bad you got bad vision and he says oh you're a negative five and you can't see anything and then he puts in new lenses in your glasses that make you see crisply clear those e's and a e g h and all the letters and the numbers that he's trying to lead and all of a sudden you were you read the whole entire uh you know um eye test instead of being only being able to read the big E. What happens is you get a gospel vision and it changes how you see the different aspects of your life. Would you allow the gospel to seep in to every aspect that you do? How was I thinking about that person before? Oh my goodness, the hope I have in Christ does not allow me to think about that person like that anymore because what if they don't have it and what if they need it? So let let the gospel of Jesus Christ, let the hope, let the mission, let the communion, let the baptism, let the gospel... Um, let the God that we serve shape and form you.
1: Yeah, and our hope is that, you know, we, we know that we are on the same journey. I have to remind myself constantly what the gospel means and how it applies and what it is and That's how right. it shapes my worldview and how it shapes the way I look at other people. And our hope is that you would practice that and and remind yourself of it and grow in it and commit yourself to becoming more like Jesus, yes. knowing that it's not a, I heard this message, now I know, now it's changed. Yeah, You'll probably, all of us will probably have to hear these things over and over and over. And that's our hope and our encouragement for you is that you just embark on this journey with Jesus and become more like him and grow in that.
0: Amen. This is the Cultivate, Cultivate NYC podcast also known as the Colivate? Colivate podcast, also known as the the Feed. What was it? The Feeding the 5,000. Feeding the 5,000. 5, uh, Jesus, we love you. We apologize for those sandals. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>